palliative care, preventing avoidable hospitalizations. A conversation with Patty Austin. This webinar included a visual PowerPoint presentation. To view a video recording, visit the link in the description of this podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to our series of webinars focused on bringing you information about COVID-19 related topics. The information in these weekly webinars is geared toward long-term care and skilled nursing facilities, but we encourage everyone who's interested to attend. My name is Kathy Caudill. I'm a communications specialist with Quality Insights. Today's topic is preventing avoidable hospitalizations with palliative care. And I'd like to introduce our speaker today, Patty Austin. Patty is a quality improvement specialist at Quality Insights. She has been working in the skilled nursing arena for the past 29 years, starting her career as a nursing assistant and leaving the front lines as director of nursing. Patty has been with Quality Insights since 2016, and she considers it a privilege to be able to interact with so many different nursing facilities to help create lasting change within their communities. Patty, thank you for joining us again this week. Hi, everyone, and thank you, Kathy. So today we're going to talk about a truly important and sometimes overlooked aspect of care. That is palliative care. End-of-life care planning is such a large part of making sure that we are giving our residents the very best physical, emotional, and spiritual care that we're able to when they entrust the last part of their lives to us. Even those who might only be with us for a short stay while recovering, recovering from hospitalization have made a choice to trust us with what's precious to them. They're trusting us to act with their best interests at the forefront of every situation they encounter during the days and the nights that they spend with us. And this becomes even more important as the number of those days and nights becomes fewer and fewer as time moves on. Notice I said that they're trusting us to act with their best interests in mind. This is a much more individualized statement than it first seems. It's impossible for us to anticipate what any individual perceives as being in their best interest during those last days, months, or even years of life. And while it may be in the best interest of people who are dehydrated to receive IV fluids, some of our residents might actually decide against that basic measure for reasons that can be as individualized as the person themselves. Without engaging in conversations, how are we to understand what a person's vision of their last months looks like? How are our residents able to know what they want this important part of their life to look like if they don't understand the trajectory of the diagnosis that they have? These complex questions are the areas that we're going to take a look at today in an effort to help our residents choose a realistic path to the end-of-life care that they hope to have. The first thing that we need to do today is to put into perspective the concepts of curative care, palliative care, and hospice care. The gold standard for quality of care is to have a smooth transition between the different types of services as a person's condition changes. That transition is not a one-way street. People can move between types of care as their condition warrants. No hard line in the sand exists between care models, and that can sometimes lead to confusion. But if explained well, that blurred line can actually reinforce the idea that the true goal is to promote quality of life over quantity of life. 
Curative care is often defined as treatments that are provided with the goal of curing an illness or a condition. Treatments are often designed to cure the underlying condition of the symptom that the resident wishes to improve. For example, radiation and chemotherapy in an effort to send cancer into remission are examples of curative care. This type of treatment is what people generally think about when they talk about medical care, the things that people do to prolong life. And that's really not where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. But it is important to realize that electing palliative treatment or hospice treatment doesn't mean that curative care can't be revisited. For example, a resident on palliative care for COPD could elect to have IV antibiotics for a skin infection, or a resident receiving the hospice benefit could choose to have a hip repair to promote quality of life. Decisions like those are never removed from the resident or from the medical power of attorney. That's kind of one of the stigmas that we encounter when we initiate end-of-life care discussions with our residents and families. Far too often, moving away from curative care is viewed as us giving up on the resident or the resident throwing in the towel. And as we're going to see as we move forward, that could not be further from the truth. So if curative care is on one end of the disease trajectory spectrum, then hospice care could be viewed as being on the opposite end of that trajectory. The purpose of hospice is to bring comfort and relief to people with life-limiting illness who have decided to stop curative treatments. It's available only after your physician certifies that life expectancy is six months or less. However, People who do qualify for the hospice benefit can continue to receive services if they live longer than those six months. Services included with hospice are medical care and a wider variety of non-medical care, things like social work, spiritual services, medical equipment, alternative support, grief support. A personalized care plan, for instance, could include nursing care, pain relief medication, emotional counseling, maybe a hospital bed, a companion aid, and even pet therapy. Like palliative care, hospice offers symptom relief and assistance with making individual goals and wishes known. Unlike palliative care, hospice also offers counseling, spiritual support, and grief support for both the resident and the families. Choosing hospice means that you wish to shift the priority from extending life to improving the quality of the life that you have left. Then we have our next player. Palliative care is a wonderful yet underutilized treatment option for people with chronic illness, especially those whose chronic illness has progressed to a point where it affects their day-to-day -day life. The word palliative is actually derived from the Latin word palliate, which means to conceal or alleviate symptoms without curing. It's actually a word that means what it says. And it's important to understand that starting palliative care does not mean that a person is going to die soon. Some people live for years while on palliative care. Also, you don't actually have to stop curative treatment while you're on palliative care. If you are fighting cancer with chemo, then those treatments can absolutely continue. 
As an added support, the provider can also help the resident understand the big picture of their health situation. They can help identify the goals of care, maybe to fill out the forms that document their wishes regarding life-saving treatments like hospitalizations or intubation or CPR. It can help bring residents and families peace of mind to make their wishes known long before that stressful or emergency situation arises. In other words, palliative care is a multidisciplinary approach to specialized medical care that focuses on providing residents with relief from the symptoms like pain, physical stress, and mental stress that serious illness can bring. Its goal is to prevent and relieve suffering and to support the best possible quality of life for residents and families, regardless of the stage of the disease or the need for other therapies. Remember, palliative care can be rendered along with life-prolonging treatment, or it may be the main focus of care before a person qualifies for hospice benefits. So now that we have a little bit of a clearer understanding of where curative, palliative, and hospice care meet, we come to the more difficult questions. Today, people are living longer, but many have not one, but multiple chronic, life-limiting illnesses. And there are many treatment plans meant to cure, control, and lessen the progression of each of those disease processes. The question then becomes, when do the benefits of these treatments become ineffective or more of a burden to a person than a benefit? In simple terms, when is the cure actually worse than the disease? We face several barriers in helping residents and families make that sought after smooth transition between care models. And one of the biggest walls that we face on both sides of the stethoscope is our failure to acknowledge that medicine does have limits and the use of inappropriate and aggressive curative treatments can sometimes prolong the dying process and contribute to the physical and emotional suffering that our, our residents um, undergo. As practitioners, this is a difficult concept to admit at times. We wanna help and in our minds, helping often means fixing. By nature, many of us are fixers, right? It can be a challenge to accept that we can't fix everything, but we can focus on fixing the things that are within our control. We might not be able to fix end-stage renal disease, but we can absolutely help fix the sadness of our renal disease resident who's really missing her puppy. We can't fix end-stage CHF, but we can lessen the chance of our resident failing to report her shortness of breath because she really just does not wanna to go to the hospital for the third time this month. By understanding the limitations of medicine and realizing that a time might come when the treatment is more of a burden than the disease, we are well on our way to helping our residents make informed choices about what they hope to achieve in the end stages of their disease. Bridging the gap should start early in the disease process and start with good communication, thorough education, and goal clarification. Communicating and educating the residents and the family about the disease process and its progression helps them to make decisions about treatment that are realistic and not burdensome. 
When good communication is established, the resident will feel more comfortable in asking questions about treatment options. A large part of communicating is educating the resident and the family about the disease, about how it progresses, what treatment options exist, and what the expected outcomes should be. And that is an ongoing process and facilitated, of course, uh, by the physician, physician. The care options for the resident, whether they are curative, comfort care, or end-of-life care, should be offered together as a treatment trajectory and run the continuum as cure is no longer viable and comfort and end-of-life care is continued. The first step in beginning a trajectory that's going to support the resident's goals and provide the highest quality of life that's achievable is really just to start the conversation. The earlier that conversation is started, the better the outcome is going to be for the resident and the family. When beginning discussions for end-of-life care, ensure that you allow plenty of time to, to talk and then make sure that you also evaluate who needs to be present for that conversation. You'll need to be aware of any cultural needs that may play a role in the decision-making process. And remember that your primary role in those very initial conversations is to listen and to support. This process is not one that can be done quickly. Hearing what is said is every bit as important as what we say in return. Perhaps one of the biggest hurdles that we face is deciding how we're going to broach the subject, right? Often we're not comfortable initiating conversations related to end of life. And on the next slide, we're going to take a look at a video that relieves us of the burden of choosing just the right words and frames the idea of palliative care in a way that's easy for our residents and our families to understand. This video can also be a fantastic conversation starter, again, relieving our residents and ourselves of the anxiety that can come with initiating these kinds of conversations. Meet Sam. Sam loves oranges. In fact, he loves them so much, he decides to buy enough oranges at the grocery store to eat one each day for an entire month. That's around 30 oranges. But Sam has a problem. He didn't get a basket when he entered the grocery store. How is he supposed to carry 30 oranges in his hands without dropping one? You're probably thinking, that's nice, I like oranges too, but what does this have to do with palliative care? After all, that's why I started watching this cartoon. Let's think about this. What if having congestive heart failure was like having one orange? It's something you have to carry and it can be a burden. But. Since it's just one orange, you can probably manage it for a while. What if you had another orange? What if you had diabetes in addition to your congestive heart failure? Now you've got two oranges to carry. That's a bit more tricky. With one orange in each hand, you might feel like you're starting to reach a limit and you could soon be overwhelmed if another orange falls into your hands. What if you had more than two oranges? In fact, 
What if you had many more oranges to carry in your hands? Picture this. Having both congestive heart failure and diabetes is like holding two oranges in your hand. What if you also have high blood pressure? Add another orange. Your doctor recently told you that you might have kidney disease as a result of your diabetes. Add another orange. This gives you anxiety and depression. Add two more oranges. Not to mention the chronic pain that you deal with every day. Add another orange. Do you see where this is going? It's not uncommon for people to deal with multiple health issues like these all at one time. This can make the burden of carrying all of these things very difficult. Wouldn't it be nice to have something to help you carry those burdens? This is where palliative care can help. Think of palliative care as the basket that will help you carry all of those oranges. Palliative care is a form of specialized medical care for people with serious, chronic, or life-threatening illness. It does not mean that you are giving up hope for a recovery. In fact, some people may recover from their illness and move out of palliative care. Others may move in and out of palliative care as their illness worsens or improves. Palliative care is not the same thing as hospice care. It can help provide relief from the symptoms and stress of your illness by improving quality of life for both you and your family. You can still continue your existing treatments even while you're seeking palliative care. Palliative care can help empower you by helping you better understand your illness. It can help you assess where you are with your treatment options, and it can clarify the goals you want to meet while you're on your healthcare journey. Palliative care can even help you cope and prepare for what to expect if your illness progresses. You may even learn through palliative care that you could benefit from other treatments like depression counseling. Palliative care helps you connect the dots associated with your illness. Remember, palliative care is an option for you and it can help you carry your health burdens. Ask your doctor about palliative care today. So that's a great video for our residents and families, but doesn't it just describe pretty much our entire census, right? All of our patients are dealing with multiple diagnoses uh, and one is exacerbated at one time, another at another time. Palliative care is such an awesome way to help manage all of those at the same time. So using this video as a routine part of the early days of a resident's admission can open the door for honest conversation to begin before a crisis arrives in which decisions need to be made while the resident and family is already under stress. This companion flyer is designed to be added to your admission packet. During admission can be the absolute perfect time to introduce the idea of discussing end-of-life care planning. We know how many documents we review and how much information is included in those admission packets. And while it certainly is not the right time to have that in-depth discussion, it is a great time to introduce the concept. 
it can make that second approach much easier because the idea has already been mentioned. And when the time comes to start that more detailed conversation, it's already not a foreign concept. The other thing that I really like about this tool is that it does link to the video. This allows the family to watch that video in their own setting and then gives them the time to begin to formulate any questions that they might have. There's also a place for you to document a facility contact person who would then be prepared to be the liaison and function as the advocate for the family as decisions are made and conversations facilitated. So although we have created that inroad to further discussion, we are gonna to need to continue the conversation with some of our residents. And we know that this can feel awkward for some of us. Understanding why we're hesitant to do so is the very first step in overcoming that hesitancy. Some of the barriers in communication that have been identified are a fear of our own mortality. And when I say our own, that can be looked at from kind of both sides of the mirror ours as healthcare providers and the residents as um, the person with the disease process. 